Welcome to Shooting the Frisbees with your hosts, Jake and Randy, discussing all things freestyle frisbee and whatever else that comes up. Welcome to Shooting the Frisbees with Jake and Randy. Hey, Jake, how you doing, man? I'm doing well. How are you, Randy? I'm doing fabulous. Uh, I think we're going to continue our conversation with Bill Wright today. Uh, again, he was just kind of a fountain of knowledge and passion about the sport. So um, we're going to just jump into more of that conversation with Bill Wright right now. I hope you all enjoy. And and in freestyle back then, I think people don't don't realize, you know, with with all the the uh, the growth of disc golf and ultimate and and uh, in terms of of uh, frisbee sports. But uh, um, back then, if if you go back and even look at all, there's 33 freestyle or uh, frisbee world magazines that were published by Whammo, and and I think out of the 33 of them, 30 of them had freestyle on the cover. You know, so freestyle was it back then. It was it was what everybody thought was going to make frisbee popular, and uh, it it, uh, it was it was interesting that it didn't continue that way. But uh, at that time, it was a, it was a it was a big deal, and and uh, the crowds were incredible, and every, it was uh, it was so fresh and new to everybody. It was just like, oh my god, this is just amazing. And then you know you didn't have a chance to go and look at it on youtube or or you know see replays of it very often and stuff like that so you you really relished in those live experiences so it's interesting jake and i've been having this discussion a lot of recent about how what's the how to convert new players to come in and that the conversion rate has been really low um even though there there is this growth that's happening it's really small and uh the question that jake asked me like how many people have you converted randy and i was like well maybe three over 40 years and it's not for lack of trying. <laughs> yeah. And so I, I, I'll ask you that question. How many folks do you think you've converted to freestyle? Um, um, well, you know, that, that have come into it and, and, uh, and continued to play probably very few, you know, I, you know, if I, if I could get to three, I'd be, I'd be happy. Uh, um, you know, I've, I've, you know, encouraged a lot of people to play, you know, think of all the demos that we've done and all the, the influences that, that we've all had over, uh, over people through freestyle, but to actually bring them in and get them to be a new player, you know, is, uh, you know, something that's really difficult. And, and really, you know, I, I should be one that, that does it because I, I'm here kind of on an island in, in Fort Collins now because there's not really any other players. You know, my, the best thing I could do would be to go out and, and uh, you know, get, you know, turn somebody new onto it and teach them and, and have so that I had a partner to play with on a regular basis. But, you know, again, you know, you, life, life turns in different directions and you, you, you tend to focus on different things. And, you, you know, I still like to go down to Denver and play with, you know, Larry and, and uh, Jonathan and Jeff and, and those guys. Guys, and that's that's what I like to do. So it's a, uh, you know, I don't I don't push the uh, the the whole teaching somebody new to play and stuff like that. And and God knows I've had opportunity, but it just uh, um, you know you 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 want that time to jam to be special, and you know it, it's a uh, it's something that you really just lean on that uh, those experiences that you've had in the past. 
Yeah, I would go back to something you said earlier about the Coloradicals, where you you guys were all starting and learning together, so you kind of grew together. Whereas bringing in a new person, at least in my experience, it's all of these experienced players and a new person, and it's very intimidating for that new person try to learn everything on their own because even though that you can like I as an expert can teach them it's really hard for me to uh, inspire them as much because I'm not learning at the same time you know there's right. no peers for that person to to bounce ideas off of and grow with yeah that really yeah. is actually a really good point is that it's it's hard for you to bring them along when you're not at the same level and they get that intimidation factor and they're just like, well, right. I'm never going to get there. Right. It's like I'm the coach instead of the friend and it kind right, of takes right. that friendship piece out right. of it. Yeah. Right. Cause I, I think, I think it's funny. Like, like you say, it's not for lack of trying. All of us have, I mean, the amount of people that I've tried to get into it and the amount of shows that I've done and all that I've had to have touched at least a couple hundred thousand people <laughs> in my yeah, 40 years. Right, exactly. And so three people is, not a very good conversion rate out of a couple hundred thousand. And I hear you saying the same experience. So it's, it's, I I guess it's just the learning curve is really hard. And how do you get somebody up that? It takes a special person on the other end too. The, uh, uh, you know, like, like Jake was saying, you know, it's hard to, hard to bring them in when, you you know, you're, you're not just, you know, you're not going out for a beer with them afterwards either and stuff like that. But, you know, and I, I think of the, the Rob Knappick uh, situation that I had here and, and bringing it, he had, you know, he had some desire and, and some skills to start with. So, so it made it a little bit easier. And, and he was the one that, that instigated the, you know, by calling me every other minute, let's go play, let's go play, let's go play. <laughs> and, and, and I was like, I was all game about that. You know, that was, that was great. It was great to get that, you know, young talent and athletic ability to, out there and, 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 you know, take his play to at least a different level and stuff like that. So it was, you know, those, those are the situations that become almost automatic because, you know, you got this person on the other end that's that, you know, they show you can kind of, and I I know you guys can relate to it with, uh, uh, with some of the players around there and stuff like that. When, when somebody has the bug, you know it and, and, and Mm -hmm. you, you, you dive right in at that point. Uh, but, but until they show that, that interest, you know, like I've, I've tried it with employees at different times and gone out with them. And, you know, you can just, you can just see that, you know, they, you know, they, they, they enjoy it. They can, they could do it. They have the athletic skills and stuff like that, but they, they don't have bug, you know, so it's, it's hard to, hard to, you know, press that situation. Totally. And because it has been a rare occurrence, we know it. And what I always say is like, oh my God, they're one of us. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. You can, you can, you can see, look in, look in their eyes and you go, hmm, he's got it. Back in the um, Rose Bowl days, I, I assume that's what you're talking about with all the big audiences coming as tournaments yeah, in the it, Rose Bowl, right? Yeah, Rose Bowl and you know, like Austin, Texas had huge crowds, and and uh, you know, I think that that there we had we had pretty good crowds in a, in a lot of different NASs and stuff like that because you know they were they were all given the NAS tournament directors were giving a pretty good package of. Uh, of marketing materials and stuff from Whammo, so the the word would get out there pretty well. Whether it's posters and and Whammo always had a, a media uh, uh, group doing press releases in the area and stuff like that. So so there there, I mean the Rose Bowl was a was the big example, but there there was other uh, other good tournaments with good crowds too. We okay. we had good ones here in Fort Collins, you know, good really good crowds at times. So. I was never at any of those events, so I don't know exactly what it was like. My experience has all been 
a freestyle only event, but those were overall events. And you were saying that they were more interactive with people. People could interact with the sport a little bit more. Can you mm-hmm. just explain how those how those events worked for those of us who never saw them? Well, I, th- I think what what Whammo did with uh, you, you know eventually that they did with their footbag and frisbee festivals and stuff like that that was very hands on. But they do little bits of those kinds of things uh, at, at other events where spectators can could try, try to throw accuracy or you know they they the spectator would would uh, would get an opportunity to to throw some of the discs that the players were throwing and stuff like that. So so I think that that that's what I was thinking in terms of of kind of uh, the spectator interaction and. I guess one of the reasons I ask that is because um, sometimes I hear people, the older people saying, well, back in our day, there were so many spectators and therefore there should be spectators now. What are we doing wrong? But it was a lot different back then because the events were overall events and they were driven by a singular focus, which was how do we sell more Frisbees? And yeah. nowadays yeah. us freestylers are talking about how do we get more people to play freestyle? It's kind of a different conversation in a different direction. Interesting too, in the sense is that we've tried to recreate that festival event many times since then. Like we've done stuff here in yep. Seattle at Worlds where we really focused on promoting the finals and having all sorts of, we had uh, disc dogs, um, we had all other sorts of alternative events, footbag, and really turned it into a festival atmosphere, but did not draw the crowds yeah. like we've heard can be done. So I, that disconnect, I can't quite figure out like why we're doing the same kind of approach that they did back then, and yet we're not getting the same. I, I think it, it, it again. It comes back to the the number of different opportunities that the the spectator or the participant or the the uh, the the novice has to to get involved with. You know, they've just got so many different you know things coming in that you know they have to to pick and choose these different things and and. Uh, uh, you know, there's different sports, there's different outdoor sports, there's different, you know, things that they can go do. And so they, they uh, it, it's just a, it's just a tougher sell, I think. Yeah. And I actually, I think just thinking here right now that back when those things were being promoted, like they would get some airtime or, or it, get in the newspaper and that newspaper had a much bigger impact of like saying, Hey, there's a festival at the park. Let's go. Like you do right. that today and it just gets lost in the noise. Right, right. They don't know so, if it's I think, real news or not. They they probably <laughs> think it's not really happening. Right, right. Fake That's probably true. <laughs> <laughs> just, but that is fascinating that, you know, I, I think that is it, that when that, stuff was getting promoted back then, its share of voice within the, the, the mass market was so much more that people yeah, would know. And like now, it, it's like comparing to you editing your music, it's like... Not that that's an exact example, but how things have right. changed in right. Yeah, yeah. yeah the, the marketing avenues were, were a lot narrower back then. There wasn't, you know, you could you could reach everybody with that with that radio station. You know, I, we did tons of really cool radio stuff back in the early days, where the radio station really wanted to 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 promote the the frisbee tournament because it was unique and cool for them and then so all these other people glommed on to that and and you would get lots of airplay and and you know it would help bring people out to the event yeah that exactly happened here in seattle and lower woodland in those uh nas tournaments that kcmu was the big radio station and it's like what everybody listened to and so you got a mention on there and then they 
like you said, they embraced the actual tournament itself right. or out there doing live broadcasts. And so everybody yeah. in Seattle knew that that was going on because that was the, the, that the, was the radio station. Yes. A lot more challenges now. Well, that was some more great insight from Bill Wright. But what do you think, Jake? Yeah, um, it was very insightful. I think it's really interesting how uh, the media has changed over time and we, we sort of have to adjust what we do to match the times indeed indeed so uh on that note um we'll see you next week jake yep see you then thanks for listening to shooting the frisbees with jake and randy to contact us or for more info check out our website at frisbeeguru.com